0: look beyond my fault and saw my need, need of a savior tonight. Amen. You glad to be in the house of the Lord tonight? Yeah, good. Me too. I'm uh, half glad I'm standing here. and not still sitting in a study right now. Amen. So we're going to lift up brother Jean tonight. Amen. And come pull on the word. Create an atmosphere the Lord is able to dwell in tonight. I want to sing. I do want to sing the absolute. I love this song. We're going to stand and sing this one. Amen. We got to. Whatever happened till death do us part. Mm, this is a anthem of the soul. Amen. And the song's a little bit different in the, the chorus. It's we need to go back. The words actually say we've made it back. That's what the chorus says. If you look at it, when we get there. Amen. Let's sing that with all our heart tonight. Whatever happened
1: till death do us part. Oh, delight.
0: the redeemed are gathering in. I think it's that. never loses power.
2: your people tonight, Lord. And we need an ever-powerful, ever-mighty, ever-conquering God tonight, Lord Jesus. Lord, That the blood of Calvary 2,000 years ago hasn't lost one ounce of power. In an age, oh God, is so dependent on power. And when the power goes out, Lord, the world is is silent. It's useless. It can do no good. We're so reliant upon power. But there's a blood. It don't matter about man. It don't matter about the grid. But it never, will never can never lose its power, oh God. Oh, Jesus, tonight, just thinking as we go into your, into prayer, Lord, needing the blood of Calvary, Lord, thinking of the needs of our body, pondering, Lord, our sister Francine, Lord, needing the power of the Holy Ghost to move through her vessel and annihilate the, the cancerous cells in her body, oh God, thinking of Sister Laura, the need that came before their brothers, Lord. Oh, God, again, the demon of cancer, Lord Jesus, the little sister, wherever she is, Lord, at this time, we pray the blood of Calvary. We claim the atonement of Calvary, oh God. Lord, it's present and powerful today as it was the day you shed it, O oh God. So, Lord, we call on your name tonight for the needs of our people. Lord, they lift their hands up to you. They got something on their heart. They have a burden, Lord. Maybe their soul's searching. Maybe their heart is needing healing. Whatever it is, Lord, may they claim the blood tonight. We claim the blood of Calvary. Oh God, may their mouths open up. May it express their praise, men express their needs as the word comes across the pulpit tonight, Lord. Oh God, that's why we've come. We've come to hear the word of God, not to hear the words of man. So take Brother Shaw in the palm of your hand, Lord, and let him loose with the power of the Holy Spirit. Speak through his mouth, Lord. Speak through the vessel and speak directly to the needs of our heart, oh God. May we pull on your word, Lord. Lord, not just action. Not just Lord, Lord, due diligence, Lord, not tradition, but Lord, because we've come to sit at the feet of the Master tonight, Lord. We commit this service, Lord, to you. Move amongst us, Lord. Do something, Lord, so special we pray tonight. In Jesus Christ's name. Amen. Amen. Amen.
0: Glory, glory. You can have your seats tonight. I'm ready for a wonderful evening. I'm ready for a wonderful evening. You know, I'm looking up at the sound booth right now. And there's a brother that hasn't been here since, oh, about March of 20... February, excuse me, February of 2020. Brother Jonathan, welcome back to church. (laughs) My goodness. Laboring on the other side, holding up the body there and the technical side... And we get to see your face in service here. Not that you have to let go of all that. We're trying to juggle. But my goodness, it's going to do double duty now for the body. You've got big shoulders. I know you can do it. God bless you, brother Jonathan. It's so good to see you. As each and every one that are coming across and seeing the cars come in. Tom, sister Kim, different ones. Eddie and Janelle. So, ah, it feels good. It feels good. God bless you. I'm going to, I want to sing tonight, maybe just as we, That better Jean come to the pulpit. I know the, the sisters saying on Sunday, I love the song. It's been rummaging through my mind. or oh, rummaging, it's been singing through my mind. <laughs> it's probably not quite the right adjective. <laughs> Forgive me for the word rummaging. <laughs> it's been burning through my mind. And we're going to sing that song. Sing, stand, sing and stand, sing and sit. I do It doesn't matter to me, but we have the words up there. They say this mountain can't be moved. I know there's three sisters over here. You can sing it really loud. Help this area over here, amen. And help me so I get the right tune. This is a wonderful song. This is a worship song. Amen. Amen. They say this mountain can't moved.
1: They say these chains will never break. But they don't.
3: We can feel your presence in the sanctuary tonight, Lord, and we welcome you, Holy Spirit. We pray, Father, that you have your way tonight, that you take the word, that you break it O oh God, that you feed the people, Father. We are hungry people, Father. We don't feed upon what men say. We feed upon the word of God. So I pray, Father, that you take your word. May you transform it into faith and substance, into revelation, into our souls, Lord God. We commit the hearers and the speaker into your hands for your glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let just turn to the word. Let's go into Matthew chapter 16. Verse thirteen to fourteen. When Jesus came into the coast of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, saying, Whom do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? And they said, Some say that thou are John the Baptist, some Elias, and others Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. Let's also turn back to Matthew eleven, verse six. And blessed is he, whosoever shall not be offended in me. Amen. let's pray. Heavenly Father, this is a terrible place to stand, but Lord, we're just following you tonight, Father. I pray, O oh God, that you help me tonight, that you calm my nerves, Lord, as I prepare as I may feel, Lord God, but that you can take the word of God and meet the need of your people. For it is for the people that we come here tonight, Lord. It's our love for the people to be able to see something that can help somebody love you more. That can help somebody know you better, Lord. That can help somebody be edified and established in a relationship with you. That's our desire, Lord. So I pray that you take the word of God, that you breathe life into the scriptures, Lord God. That we can go back home knowing that you've spoken to us. Knowing that something of eternal value was deposited in our souls. That's our prayer tonight in the name of Jesus Christ. As we read your word inspire it to our hearts bless it. Make, it make it come alive in jesus name we pray amen. amen and you have your seats all right we're going to go straight into the word tonight uh, i don't know how long i'm going to be hopefully not too long uh, i just want to be precise and to achieve the purpose of the goal that i have today and the burden that's on my heart I'm going to start by reading. Uh, Brother Brian Amir makes a statement in God hiding himself in simplicity. He says, and we know that God is so great. Till we expect it to be some great something. And we miss the simple thing. We stumble over simplicity. That's how we miss God. Is by stumbling over simplicity. God is so simple until the scholars of these days and all days. So he said the scholars of these days and all days. Miss him a million miles because in their intellect they know that there is something like, there's nothing like him, so great, but in his revelation he makes it so simple that they go plumb over the top of it and miss it. So, Brother Bonham is saying that the scholars, not just in these days, so if you you can take how God deals with humanity throughout the ages, from the Old Testament to in this day, the reason why people miss it is because Of their intellect. And they miss it because God in His revelation, He makes it so simple. And just as a a disclaimer tonight, God cannot be known by intellect. Let me just start by saying that, laying that down. There is absolutely no way God can be known by intellect. Scholars miss Him because of intellect. And that's the reason why the Pharisees and Israel missed him. And we understand it through the scripture, Barabbas shows sure that how they were blinded. But what what was the reason why they were blinded? It's not like they had like a spiritual blindfold, right? But the the reason why they were blinded is because in how God fulfills his word, it is so radically different that the intellectual conception, that is what blinds the people, is when God does something in a way that they do not expect. But says in recognizing your day and his message, he talks about in the days of Noah, he says, they didn't know the day, they didn't know. That's the reason why they missed it. It's because they did not recognize it. They were like the day, he says, like somewhat like people today, blinded by scientific proofs, by educational systems, by theological seminaries, and things that blinded them in that day. It's exactly the same thing today. It's blinding them again. So seminaries, theological, uh, scientific proofs is what actually blinds people, right? So you can, you can actually preach the word and God's absolute truth to people. If they're looking at the word from an intellectual point of view, if they want everything to be scientifically proven before they believe, they will never meet God. God can never be known that way. And we have to be careful as believers not to fall into this trap. To attempt to convince people of God's truth by intellectual reasoning. Because God's word comes to you by revelation alone. In, in uh, chapter 16 of Matthew, as we just read. And I left that one verse on purpose, but we're going to go back to it after verse 15. But in verse 13 and 14, what I wanted to show you here, especially in verse 14, it says, Some say that thou art John the Baptist. Some say that you're Elias. And others say that you're Jeremiah or one of the prophets. Some, some others, right? It means that concerning who Christ was, there wasn't a consensus of opinion. Concerning who Christ was, there was a disagreement right and the reason why there's a disagreement because in its nature itself the word of god is controversial and something that's controversial is something that gives or that's likely to give rise to public disagreement it's something that is contentious something that is disputed something that is an issue that's debatable and something that's controversial speaks of an expression of opposing views on a given subject so as you can see here, when Jesus asks, who do, do, who do they say that I am? Some say, some say, and others say. Different opinion about the same person Christ. Because in his nature, Christ himself is controversial. Which means that if you bring a subject, or something that's controversial, is that if you bring a topic in a group of people like tonight, and you ask people for their opinion, they'll all have different opinions. Right? And what makes something controversial is that, there is valid arguments in the opposing views, right? And if, you, if, you, if you're actually going to search on Google, as I a did a, a while back, about controversial subjects to, today in the 21st century, even in 2021, and you find subjects like, you know, the Second Amendment, you find subjects like, like pro-choice, pro-life, abortion, um, gay marriage, transgender, all, all those issues are issues that are actually controversial issues. And the reason why these topics are controversial, okay, I just started my watching now, I forgot, so I don't know how long I've been. But the reason why these issues are controversial is that if you bring people together and ask them to debate on it, they have valid arguments on both sides. We need oxygen to breathe. That is not a controversial issue. Right? Like we all agree that oxygen is needed to breathe. You can take somebody somewhere in the world who says, I don't need oxygen, and you can write on every newspaper on the planet, nobody will give it any credit. That is not a controversial point of view, because generally we all agree that oxygen is needed to breathe. So what makes something controversial is that people actually have valid arguments. The intellect, they have valid reasoning as to why this subject can go either way. And another thing that makes something controversial is that the topic in question has high stake, right? It's something of importance, like pro-choice, pro-life. That's, that's something that is very high stake. So it is important enough that it is controversial. You know, if, if I prefer apple juice and you prefer orange juice, that's not controversial. We, we're not going to have a debate about it, right? There's, there's, the stakes are not high, maybe for you. But another thing is that the gap in perspective must be significant. So if we slightly disagree, it's not really controversial. It must be that this is what I believe versus this is what you believe. Right? That is what actually puts somebody or puts the topic as label something as controversial. Now, Brad Barnabas has shown us that the book of Genesis itself is a book of seeds. So everything that you find today, you have to go back to the book of Genesis. So we find that the serpent and Eve had a radically different view of what the fruit was. Eve knew what God said to do, and the serpent said, well, God didn't say to do that. There's an opposing view about what the fruit was, or if they were allowed to have it. That was controversial. And now, even till this day, there's a controversy around the original sin. We understand that people say, well, it was fruit. And if you follow that some say it was an apple, an apricot, a pear, right? But some will say that, no, it was actually a relationship in the Garden of Eden. That was what the original seed is. And they don't agree. Right? And serpent seed itself, now, if you're looking at it from an intellectual point of view, it's a controversial subject. But to you and I, it's not because it is revealed. So there's three main purposes that I'll try to achieve tonight. My my title is, The Word is Controversial. And for a subject, I would like to speak on looking beyond the offense. Three main purposes. Number one, is the Word of God is controversial by design. And what I mean by design is that it is intentional. So there's an intent beyond how the Word comes across. God intends it to be a specific way so that it arri- so that it provokes different opinions about it, because God doesn't want people to come to Him on the basis of understanding, in the mental intellect. He wants people to come to them on the basis of revelation. Number two is that we are meant to know God by revelation only. Not here, revelation. Number three, is revelation is sovereign. So in Matthew chapter 11, verse 6, as we read, Jesus said, Blessed is he whosoever shall not be offended in me. And it's an, it's an interesting thing. And Rebellum picks it up in the Forgotten Beatitude. And he talks about that and he says, Oh my, and blessed is he who is not offended in me. Don't be offended. I believe there's more people offended in Jesus than any other person that's ever lived on earth. Think about it. Right? You can think about all the politicians today or all all the historical figures that that have lived throughout the ages. Nobody was more offensive than Jesus Christ. People were more offended in Jesus than in anybody else who's ever lived. And we know that Jesus is the Word. So the Word is a reason for offense. People are more offended in the Word than in any other thing. But surprisingly, Christianity, there's 2.5 billion Christians on the face of the earth today. Ask yourself, why? Why is it that back in the days of Christ, he was rejected, he was crucified, but today 2.5 billions 2.5 billion can look back and say, Oh, I believe in him, he was the son of God. That's religion. Yeah. Right. Because what has happened is that religion has painted a Sunday school version of Jesus Christ depending a jesus who loves everyone a jesus whose message is love your neighbor be kind be good be humble a jesus that was persecuted and hated for no reason a jesus who was just hated for absolutely no reason he died on the cross for our sins he rose again sent the holy ghost sitting on the throne pleading for our sins every day you can fall and sin all you want he loves you He forgives you all the time this is a palatable version of jesus christ the easiest pill that anybody can swallow today. That's because religion's mandate is to build communities. And you can easily build a community on this type of Jesus. On this historical Jesus Christ, who is loved everybody, that type of Jesus Christ. That everybody hated Him for no reason. But actually when you look at the scripture, there was a valid reason why He was crucified. It wasn't just like, oh, people are so unfair to Him. No. People look at the law of Moses, and according to the law, they had to put him to death. So they're hiding the fact that there was a certain element about his ministry that was offensive. And they're painting a Christ that anybody can love. But God's mandate is not to build communities. God's mandate is to build a church. It's to call out a people that he can reveal himself to. And Barabbana talks about any in Christ of God revealed, is that His purpose was to reveal Himself. God is not interested necessarily in your feelings. So God will say something a certain way, and He won't care that it's going to offend you. Because His interest is to reveal Himself to you. And truth can be offensive sometimes. But the predestinated seed can look beyond the offense. Romans chapter 9. We're going to go through a couple of scriptures here. Verse 31 to 33. Paul says, But Israel, which followed up to the law of righteousness, hath not attained the law of righteousness. It says in verse 32, Wherefore, because they sought it not by faith, but as it were by the works of the law, for they stumbled upon that stumbling stone, as it is written... Behold, I lay in Zion a stumbling stone, and a rock of offense. And whosoever shall believe on him shall not be ashamed. What is Paul saying here is that Israel stumbled upon this rock. Because the scripture had to be fulfilled. God lay in Zion for a foundation, a stone. He put a stone in Zion. That is a stumbling stone. What does it mean? It means that if you're a runner... And you're running, there's something on your way that causes you to stumble and fall. And God said, I am the one who laid a stumbling stone in Zion. This is not the devil's doing. This is intentional by design. God lays a stumbling stone. So that when people come and try to run this race, if they're not predestinated seed, this stumbling stone stops them dead in the tracks. But you and I, we can look beyond the offense. You can lay down every stumbling stone. We will look beyond each one of them and run this race with perseverance. Do not take the offense out of the word. Do not take the shame that is attached to this gospel outside of the gospel. Because then you render it without effect. You've taken an aspect out of it. Don't preach a Jesus that is easy to accept and swallow. Preach the word exactly the way it is. Because we are looking for that predestinated seed. They can look beyond the offense. Matthew chapter 15, verse
1: 10
3: to 13. And he called the multitude and said unto them, Hear and understand, not that which goeth into the mouth defileth a man, but that which cometh out of the mouth defileth a man. Then came his disciples and said unto him, knowest thou that the Pharisees were offended after they heard this saying. But he answered and said, every plant which my heavenly father hath not planted shall be rooted up. So here are the disciples coming to Jesus Christ and they're saying, Hey, the things that you're preaching, don't you know that it's offending people? His response was, Oh really? His response was not, Well, maybe I should take part two of the service and make myself a little bit more clear. His response was, No, 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 that's not what I meant. Let me actually explain to you. Let me give you something that's easy to uh, to swallow. No, that wasn't his, his response. His response was, through the offense god will root up every plant that he's not planted the disciples are saying the Pharisees are offended and his answer is that every plant which my father had not planted shall be rooted up the reason why people offended and the reason why the word of god is in such a way to offend people is that god has to unplug every plant that he did not plant We don't want to have a bride of Jesus Christ that is not a pure bride. So God will send forth His word and design it intentionally in a certain way so that those who cannot look beyond the offense will be offended and removed. Then what stays? Stay elect. Matthew chapter 13 verse 54 to 58. And when he was come into his own country, he taught them in the synagogue in so much that they were astonished and said, once that this man's wisdom and this mighty works, is not this carpenter's son, Is not his mother called Mary, his brethren James and, and John and Simon and Judas and his sisters, they are not all with us. Once then have this man all these things, verse 57, and they were offended in him. But jesus said unto them the prophet is not without honor saving his own country in his own house they were first astonished by his doctrine by his teaching they were the marvel at it they were amazed by it but when they looked at the man christ yes. we know this man we know his parents we know his brothers we know his sisters we know where he grew up now how can this man say these things see what offended them was the human element Wasn't the doctrine necessarily Though the doctrine can be offensive as you will see But in this verse It's because they look at Jesus The man They could not go beyond the man And that was the stumbling block That God Almighty veiled himself Into a blood cell And came and walked on earth like a human being They could not swallow the fact that Almighty God Was in that flesh So the human element Is what offended them See, to not be able to look beyond the human element and see God is to be a Pharisee. I think I spoke this in Victoria. I said, if you're not able to look past your brother's humanity and flesh, you are a Pharisee. Because that is the Pharisees. They could not see God in flesh. They stumbled at the human element. If you cannot look past the veil and see God, you are a Pharisee. John chapter six, verse fifty one and sixty nine. Actually, let's turn to that together. I am the living bread, starting with verse fifty one. I am the living bread which came down from heaven. If any man eat of this bread, he shall live forever. And the bread that I will give is my flesh, which I will give for the life of the world. The Jews therefore strove among themselves, saying, How can this man give us his flesh to eat? Then Jesus said unto them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Except ye eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, he shall have no life in you. My. First he says that he is the living bread And that the bread that he gives Is his flesh And the Jews, the, the Jews were offended by it And they started thinking well, how, how is he going to give us his flesh Instead of making things better He makes things worse Right He says Very verily I say unto you Except you eat my flesh And drink my blood You have no life in you Whosoever eateth my flesh And drinketh my blood Hath eternal life And I will raise him up at the last day. For my flesh is meat indeed, and my blood is drink indeed. He that eateth my flesh and drinketh my blood dwelleth in me, and I in him. As the living Father has sent me, and I live by the Father, so he that eateth me even shall live by me. This is that bread which came down from heaven, not as your fathers did eat manna and are dead. He that eateth of this bread shall live forever. Now it says in verse 60, many therefore of his disciples when they had heard this said this is a hard saying who can hear it verse 61 when jesus knew in himself that his disciples murmured at it he said unto them does this offend you what and if you shall see the son of man ascend up where he was before my he's talking about eating his talking about him being the manna the living bread People are offended. He says, that offends you? Let me carry on. Unless you eat my flesh and drink my blood, you have no part in me. And then the disciples are asking. This is their hard thing. He says, are you offended? Wait until you see the Son of man. He's just going and say, I'm going to offend you more and more and more. He's not even trying. He says, let me explain. Let me think better. He just keeps on preaching the word. And, uh, oh, I skipped here, sorry. Verse sixty six. From that time, many of his disciples went back and walked no more with him. Then said Jesus unto the twelve, Will ye also go away? And Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? Thou hast the words of eternal life. Even the disciples that followed Jesus Christ, they got offended by the preaching of the word. And Christ did not try to make it more palatable for them. He didn't try to soften things up for them to swallow it. He kept on preaching and preaching and preaching. And then the Bible says, From that time on, many disciples no longer walked with Him. Why? Because they could not look beyond the offense. Let's look into... Matthew chapter 26 Verse 31 to 34 Oh, to 35 rather Then said Jesus unto them All ye shall be offended Because of me this night For it is written I will smite the shepherd and the sheep of the flock shall be scattered abroad. But after I am risen again, I will go before you into Galilee. Peter answered and said unto him, Though all men shall be offended because of thee, never will I be offended. And Jesus said unto him, Verily I say unto thee that this night before the cock crow thou shalt deny me thrice. Peter said unto him, Though I should die with thee, yet will I not deny thee. Likewise, all said the disciples. Even Jesus is telling his own twelve disciples that left. He says, Even you. This very night, you'll be offended. Peter said, not me. I will never be offended. All the disciples says, me neither. Not me. I will never be offended. But they were. Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 21 to 23. It's a lot of scriptures tonight. I just have to lay this down. Verse 21 of 1 Corinthians chapter 1. For after that in the wisdom of God, the world by wisdom knew not God. It pleased God by the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. Verse 22: For the Jews require a sign, and the Greeks seek after wisdom. But we preach Christ crucified unto the Jews, a stumbling block, and unto the Greeks, foolishness. Yeah. What, what is Paul saying here? Paul is saying that the Jews search after miracles and signs. They want to see signs and signs. The Greeks love wisdom, which is intellectual reasoning. They want to be able to understand and reason. And that's what you see in the book of Acts. When Paul wants to the Greeks, that's all they did. is they debated and they debated and debated and reason. They want the stimulation of the intellect. Like, oh, let's put the scriptures together. Oh, let's get this tap and shadow. Like, that's what the Greeks wanted. But Paul said, it's not what I wasn't preaching what the Jews wanted. I didn't preach what the Greeks wanted. I preached Christ crucified. Amen. And he said to the Jews, it was a stumbling block. And to the Greeks, it was foolishness. So the things that we're preaching and believing, to many people, it ought to be foolishness and stumbling block. We're not believing in the gospel that makes sense. We're believing the gospel that is revealed. And the reason why it makes scriptural sense to us is by revelation. Not here. If you're an intellectual, the only thing you can do, the most sensible thing you can do is to reject it. And you'll be right. Because intellect ought to reject the word of God, the only thing that can accept God 's word is revelation. Yes. As Robert says that the importance of revelation can never be overemphasized. That means on Wednesday and Sunday and Wednesday and Sunday, we can preach revelation every service, we will never overemphasize it. because revelation is the only way, the only way to know God. If you're believing in the message, I'm going, jumping ahead of myself Because somebody put the scriptures together so perfectly That you saw the church ages, yeah I see Okay I see every, every age has a messenger Okay I see brother Branham Okay I see sons and wonders in the sermon Oh yeah he must be prophet I believe Oh my, you'll be deceived Because what anchors the soul of a believer is revelation The word and the message of your day has to come to you by divine revelation It doesn't come that way after 5 years, after 10 years, after 40 for some, you find yourself back. Why? Because intellectual reasoning will fail. Sons and wonders are not going to hold you forever. But Revelation, upon this rock, I will build my church. And the death of death can never prevail against Revelation. It will prevail against your intellectual understanding. It will prevail against your mental conception and understanding. It will prevail against your signs and your wonders and your discernment. But it will never prevail against something that God from heaven deposited in your soul. Oh my, that is why. Sometimes even when things go hard in life and you ask yourself, maybe I'm deceived. Why am I doing this? Why am I in this message? You're like, I'm just going to leave it. But something in your soul holds you firm. Because what holds you is divine revelation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hallelujah. Oh, brothers and sisters, I cannot emphasize on this. You need this message to become a personal revelation to you.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hallelujah.
3: Now the word offend, as read in Matthew. Eleven, verse six. basically it is used, not offended me. It means scandalizio. That's the word there, which means a scandal. Which means it's a stumbling block or an impediment in the way to cause somebody to trip and fall. It causes a person to begin to distrust and desert one whom they ought to trust and obey. It causes somebody. To find in him something that you disapprove. And it hinders you from acknowledging his authority. Think about it. So because Christ is an offense. People found in him something. That they could not approve of. And it's the thing that they found in the word. And I'll say in the message of the day. It's what they found in the message that they could not approve of. And it hindered them. From acknowledging the authority of the word. It means that there was a stumbling block. Something that was put on the way to make them trip and fall. It's by design. Intentional. People will come and believe the word of the hour. Believe intellectually. They will understand it. They will follow it for a year, for 5 years, for 10 years. But soon enough, for some maybe 50 years. They will even preach the message for 40 years, some of them. But one day, they will find something in the message or in the messenger that they disapprove of. And because they found that thing, they can no longer accept the authority of the word. And God said, yeah, I put that in there for you. I put that in the word so that one day you will be offended and you will leave it. Because I've designed my word in such a way That my predestinated sin Can never be offended Not in the word And not in the messenger If you're going to believe the word of God For your day You're going to have to accept and own to the shame That comes with it That's what it is If you call yourself a disciple of Jesus Christ You have to own to what Jesus Christ says. You're walking Are you a follower of Jesus? Yeah that man that was born of illegitimate birth, yep, that man is the man that I follow. Oh yeah, the man that your mom, uh, his mom Mary had a had a relationship outside of marriage, is that a man? I don't care what you say, but that is the man that I'm following. You believe in Jesus Christ? Yeah, I believe in him. The man who went to pull up a desk up and saw children that were sick and walk past them, and saw people with cancer and walk past them. And some people crying for mercy and walk past them and went and healed just one person. What kind of mercy is that? Yeah? It's that man that I follow. Yeah? You don't have to make it beautiful. You don't have to make it, put, put a bouquet around it so that they can accept it. Own up to it. Just own it to him. Yep, I believe in the message. Yeah, I believe in Brother Bernard. That man from Kentucky? Yep, that's the man that I believe in. The man who said this is about women? Yep, that's him that I believe. The man who said this and that? Yeah, that's the man that I believe. Because he's the prophet of God. I will own to whatever shame comes to believing in God's word. Don't try to change it. Own up to it. Embrace it. You could not preach the cross of Christ without preaching, without it coming with a shame. Think about it. Paul said it multiple times in the scriptures. Preaching the cross, foolishness, foolishness, stumbling block, foolishness. You believe in Jesus Christ? Yeah. That man that was hung naked on the cross? Yep. It wasn't like, oh, praise the Lord, I'm a message believer. I believe in Jesus Christ. Oh, are you a Christian? Oh, yes. Jesus Christ is my Lord. It wasn't like that. It was... Oh, are you one of those who follow Jesus? Yeah. Yeah. Me? Yeah, 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 that's me. Well, did you know that Jesus said, Eat my flesh and drink my blood? Yep. Yes. Did he explain it? No. So you believe in a man who's asking people to actually eat his flesh and drink his blood? Yes. Yep. Yes. It wasn't about, well, to be fair, he never quite really explained it. Maybe give him another chance. Come to the next service, my message will be clear. Uh uh-uh. uh. Own up to it. Is that what it said? If you say it, I believe it. Yeah. Yeah. Because in you, the predestinated seed, there is nothing to be offended. Yeah. Oh my. Hallelujah, I'm thankful tonight that God has placed something in me that can look beyond the offense Others will look at something and stumble I'll look at them like, nope, doesn't bother me Somebody will look at something else and stumble and fall I'll look at me, doesn't bother me at all And I'll keep walking, offense after offense And I'll keep walking, I want you to explain it I want you to understand anything All I know is that God revealed it to me I can't walk away from something that God made real to me. I can't. You can't. That is why even when you backslide and you go back in the world for years and years and years, no matter what the devil says, if this message was ever, to re- ever revealed to you once, once, soon enough, one day, something will start to turn into your heart, something starts start to quicken you. It's time to go back. It's time to go back because I know that I've left it. But something tells me that that is where I belong.
4: Hallelujah,
3: I remember in the, in the last few days, I had come to a point where there's so many scriptural discussions with people, Well gospel and the prophet, and Malachi 4, and oh no, that's for Israel, no it's for the Jews, oh no it's for the Gentiles, then you go into the church ages, and I found that even though I had very, very good valid arguments, a lot of people just couldn't get it, and then you can go back and like, okay, I'm going to put something together, and I'm going to lay it down so perfectly. They don't want people to, to argue, so you go back and you come and you lay down so perfectly types, shadows, scriptures, Old Testament, New Testament, boom! You gotta believe. Like, yeah, I don't see it. Like, how? How? Then one day I was praying and the Lord spoke to me and said, You gotta stop speaking to the minds, speak to their souls. And I was like, Wait a minute, that's it. Because if I speak to the mind, they will respond from an intellectual point of view and then we'll have disagreements and we'll just clash. But if I cannot speak it to be true, if they're a predestinated seed, there is something in their soul that even if it doesn't make sense here, it's quickened here. And that's what I started to him, like, I'm going to tell you what God has done in this age because Brother Barnum says that the elect of God can see the light of the day. So I'm going to tell you what the light is if there's a seed in you when that light flashes it will strike that seed even if you don't understand it here
1: either, either
3: if somebody strikes your seed there it comes the light try to stop it you can't sorry I'm just done with explanations and debates I'll just preach to you what brother Banham said I'll preach what God is doing in this age. If you're predestinated, you will see it. You might argue here. You might fight it for a little bit. But once it's quickened, even if you cannot resolve it here, you cannot get away from something that's done here.
1: And that's how I believe it.
3: I remember once uh, somebody asked Brother Stephen, who's in Nigeria, and I asked him, why isn't speaking in tongues the evidence of the Holy Ghost? And you've heard the testimony, and and I was waiting for Stephen to maybe, you know, go in the scriptures, and I didn't know where he was going to go. He looked at the person and said, I'm not going to give you any scripture. The reason why it is not the evidence of the Holy Ghost is because God's prophet in this day has said it's not. (laughs) Go follow that. That's how I believe it. If Barnum said it, I would stand by it, and I would say exactly like he said even if it doesn't make sense to me here, all I know is that I believe. That's all I know is that I believe. We're going to continue talking about the ministry of Jesus Christ. Now, as I said, the people have painted a, a Sunday school version of Jesus Christ. But do you actually know, and I was doing some searching history, that there is, there is a group of people, even till this day, that believe that, Jesus Christ has some mental health issues. And I'm saying that very respectfully. It's the Lord that we're talking about. But I just want to show you something. In John chapter 7, verse 16 to 20, uh, I'll actually just jump to verse 20. It says, The people answered and said, Thou hast the devil. Who goeth about to kill you? So Jesus is talking about, you know, the son of man will be killed. You seek to kill me. And you're like, nobody's trying to kill you. Like, you, you're paranoid. Like, ch- check yourself, man. Something's significantly wrong with you. And psychiatrists say that he he shows signs of paranoia multiple times. Is that like He was always feeling that somebody was to get him. Somebody was going to betray him. Somebody was going to kill him. He was constantly feeling threatened. And they're like, yeah, that fits the point of paranoia. This man better going to match your institution. Now, you were a believer of Jesus in those days. And that is the man that you're following. And the rumors in your town is that you're following a man who ought to be in a mental institution. Does that sound like a Jesus is easy to follow today? Right? Put yourself in those days. So the reason why the disciples really followed him till the end, predestinated seed. That's the only way. If you're an honest Pharisee, the only conclusion you can come to is crucify Jesus. Because right here, everything he does here contradicts the Bible, the Old Testament. Everything he does is against reason. Everything is against I guess, everything you stand for. So what are you going to do? Crucify Him. It's the logical conclusion. But if you're predestinated, you can look beyond the offense. You can bypass your reasoning. You can bypass your own fears. You can bypass your own reasoning because you are hooked. Mark chapter 3, verse 21. And when his friends heard of it, they went out to lay hold of him, for they said, He is beside himself. And the scribes which came down from Jerusalem say, He hath Beelzebub, and by the prince of the devil's casteth out the devil. Think about it. Not his enemies, his friends. Those who knew Jesus, his friends, when they heard the things he was saying, the Bible says they came to lay hold of him. In other words, they came to restrain him. To retain him. Because they say, he's beside himself. Do you know what that means? It means he's crazy. He's mentally insane. These are his friends. Right? You'll be like me. Tonight I'm speak, speaking and I say something. And Brother Tim and Brother, <laughs> Brother Michael just come. Kind of They're like, oh, we apologize. We're sorry. We're like, sorry. <laughs> Look, look, brother John, like, it's okay. Let's, let's go. Let's go back. So, something's wrong, brother John. Yeah, like so he's really something has gone really wrong. That, that's exactly what the scripture is saying. While Jesus is speaking, his friends, not his enemies, his friends come to like. Okay, well, it's time to go now. Let's get a hold of him because he's beside himself. I don't know what's wrong with him. Usually he's not like this. Like, usually he doesn't say things like that. Like okay, listen, it's time to go. That is Jesus that they're following. Is that your Sunday school Jesus that's easy to follow today? No. John chapter 10, verse 19 and verse 20. There was a division therefore again against the Jews for his sins. And many of them said, he has a devil and he is mad. Why hear him? The Amplified Version says, there is a division of opinion among the Jews because of the words of Jesus. And many of them said, he has a demon and he is insane. He raves and rambles. Do you know what that means? It means to talk widely. And incurrently, as if one is delirious or insane. To talk or write at length in a confused way. When they're hearing Jesus speak, they're like, this man, ooh, poor guy. Something has gone really, really wrong with him. Maybe it's time to call Dr. Rabbi to take him to a psychiatric institution. Let's, let's do some damage control here. This is Jesus. God didn't send a son of God that was just so perfectly acceptable by everyone. No, he let him be a certain way. He let him say things a certain way. He let him act a certain way so that this can happen. Some say that Jesus had a savior's complex. Which is a state of mind in which an individual holds a belief that they were destined to become a saviour. So if you listen to Jesus talking about saving humanity and giving his life and you have just attended Jerusalem University and the class on psychiatry, you're talking about the serious complex, this individual exhibits this type of signs. And then you go to a meeting, and Jesus is preaching, and you hear what Jesus is saying tends to fit the description of that lecture at university. What are you gonna do? If the shoe fits, right? We're like, oh, I just, I just heard about it in school. Perhaps somebody went to Andrew. I was in class. Look, look at my notes. This thing that Jesus is telling, we talked about it at university. These are sons of somebody who is the Savior's complex. You want to stay away from that man. Andrew will say, oh, man, I don't know. It, it, it seems like you're right, but I just, I just can't get away from this man. I just, I just can't do it. I can't. Like, even myself, I, I, I did some research. Yeah, you, you have a point. I've seen it too. Don't worry about it. I've seen it. But, like, even one day I decided, you know what, I'm not going to follow him. But something in me saying, you got to keep following him. I cannot explain it. Yeah, maybe, maybe I'm deceived. Maybe I am. That's how it is to follow Jesus. They talk about paranoia. It's an instant or thought process that is believed to be heavily influenced by anxiety and fear. So to people, Jesus was constantly anxious. And he was constantly living in fear that somebody was out there to get him. That is the Jesus that they followed. Now today, people wanted Jesus. that Everybody can be so proud of like, here's my friend Jesus. I follow him. And be like, oh, I've heard so much about you. Oh, what a wonderful man. No. If you're a disciple of Jesus, with your discipleship comes rumors, mockeries, shame, offense, all you have to do is say, I believe. Don't try to explain it. Don't even try to excuse it. Right. Own it. Right. Now the three categories of people that follow Jesus. You can bring up the slideshow. I'm going to drive this home now. The first slide. Can you see it? Not the title, the next slide. All right, so there's people who followed Jesus because they saw signs and wonders. And I'll show you the scripture very quickly because I'm running out of time. There's people that follow Jesus because they have an understanding of the scriptures mentally. But there's people who actually have revelation. Next slide. And we understand that Judas had signs and wonders. He saw them and he actually manifested them. And Judas preached the word. He had the intellectual understanding of the scriptures and he preached the message. But Judas had no revelation. Next slide. Oh, we're to that. Subvindication, so check. There you go. So the, your signs and wonders, what you see is what you see with your flesh, your eyes, your ears, and what you hear. Right? That is what is attracting you. And then in your spirit realm, there's an intellectual understanding, but I'm going to call it intellectual faith. So when we're preaching the word, you'll hear it to your ears, in your body. It will fit that into your spirit realm, and it will start making sense of it in your mind. But then the next step is down in your soul. God turns that word into revelation. Very quickly here, in John chapter 2, Verse 23. Now, when he was in Jerusalem at the Passover, in the feast day, many believed in his name when they saw the miracles. That's why they believed, they saw the miracles. In John chapter 10, verse 41 and 42, many resorted unto him and said, John did no miracle, but all these things that John speak of this man were true. And many believed on him there. Matthew 7, verse 28, and it came to pass when Jesus had ended this saying, the people were astonished at his doctrine, and they believed. Luke four thirty two and they were astonished at his doctrine for his word was with power. Mark 1.22, and they were astonished at his doctrine. There's people who heard Jesus Christ and followed him because of the signs. The people who heard him because the doctrine sounded good. They were astonished by it and followed him, body spirit. But well, the Bible says in James chapter two verse nineteen, that believes that there is one God, that doest well. The devils also believe and tremble. What belief is that? Here. The devil doesn't have a revelation. Now, I'm going to skip this part, but I was, I was I was going to show you quickly here how many people actually have issues believing in the Bible because the way the scriptures are penned out in, in a way that challenges your mental intellect, and I'm I'm makes it hard to actually reconcile these things. And I'll, I'll give you an example: God sent a prophet to David and to talk to me about to threaten him about uh, years of famine. In Samuel chapter 2, or 24, verse 13, it talks about seven years of famine. In 1 Chronicles 21, it talks about three years of famine. So how many pairs of clean animals God told Noah to take into the ark? Genesis 6, 19 says 2. Genesis 7, verse 2 says 7. And who was the father of Joseph, the husband of Mary? Well, Matthew 1, 16 says it was Joseph. Uh, and another chapter, verse, chapter 3, verse 23, says it was Heli. Matthew 1, 16, and Luke 3, 23. When you look at the genealogy of Jesus Christ, Matthew places him as a descendant of Solomon, son of David. But Luke places him as a descendant of Nathan, son of David. Now, I'm not going to go through this, but for the sake of time, there's multiple scriptures. And people will look at those scriptures and they will be like, uh, can't see this Bible. This Bible is not consistent. This Bible is this, this Bible is that. And Brother Benham says this. In pride he says the Holy Spirit wrote the Bible And it's written in such a way That there is no way at all for man in his mental conception To understand what it is No matter how well you got it wrote out No matter how well you can put it together It is wrong to begin with See because it's hid from the eyes of the wise and prudent And it's a spiritual revelation He's saying that the Bible is written in a certain way On purpose by design, intention, intentionally, so that if somebody is looking at the word, from an intellectual standpoint, he won't believe. Right. Right. That is the pattern of the word. From Noah, to Moses, to Jeremiah, to Daniel, to Jesus, to Paul, to Brother Branham, the word is, comes out in a certain way, on purpose so that those who play those tapes and read those books from a mental point of view they can never see it they might sympathize and follow it for a while but they will never see it because god designs his word that way on purpose so the word creates a conflict between faith and reasoning things are said events take place scriptures are penned down in a certain way on purpose to create a radical conflict between spiritual revelation and intellect. That way when the believer must willingly remove from his foundation everything else that is not divine substance. Because the only foundation that is safe, secure and everlasting is revelation. So if you have come to the message because you heard about the discernments and the healings and the dead being raised, that's all good. We need that. Or you've come because you've never understood the trinity, you never agree with it, and you see, oh brother man also doesn't agree with it. You're like, yeah, it makes sense, I don't believe in the trinity. That's also fine. But if that is your foundation, God will allow things. He will allow events to come by your way. He will bring, bring forth a wind that will shake everybody that you should trust. Until from your foundation, nothing is left but revelation. A wise man builds builds his house on the rock, right? Yeah. Barabbas says in the indictment, paragraph two two twenty two. He says, "Loving doctrine of man made denominations and dogmas better than they do the vindicated word of God." Says so this generation of people, this generation spurns God's revelation. In other words, they reject with disdain and contempt. So contempt talks about the feeling that a person or a thing is beneath consideration worthless, or deserves no attention at all. Something that shouldn't be taken into account, but is disregarded. What is probably what I'm saying? We're living in a time where revelation doesn't matter anymore. That is why he's saying that it can never be overemphasized, because this world that you're living in, To the religious world, revelation is of no effect. It doesn't matter to them. All they want is to paint a Jesus Christ that died 2,000 years ago and that retired and is sitting on the throne. Whereas Jesus Christ sent back the Holy Ghost and he carried on it every single day. He sent the word of your day. Till this day he sent a prophet and he sent a message. God doesn't work that way. This generation spreads revelation. They take it out of, because to them it doesn't matter. How did Abel know what to do in order to offer a proper sacrifice to God? By faith, he received the revelation of the blood. Cain didn't get such a revelation. The brother says this in, in the church age book, revelation of Jesus Christ. And I love this. Cain didn't get such a revelation even though he had a commandment. So he couldn't offer the right sacrifice. So we know that God comes to Cain and says, if you do like your brother, you'll be accepted, which is a commandment. Even though he had a commandment, he could never get that revelation. In Matthew chapter 16, where we read in the beginning, and I left out verse 15 and 16 Jesus said Who, by who say ye that I am? And Simon Peter answered and said, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God Right? And Jesus said, flesh and blood did not reveal this to you But my Father who is in heaven, revealed this to you Now I want to show you something that's very remarkable to me at least In John chapter 1, 41 I don't have time to go to it. But Andrew comes and calls Peter. And says, come see this man that we found. He is the Christ. So there is a certain point in Peter's walk where he followed Jesus. Because Andrew told him that Jesus is the Christ. But here in Matthew 16, Jesus tells of flesh and blood. Did not reveal this to you? So Peter's understanding by intellect, because his brother Andrew told him. There is a point in his walk with Jesus where that intellectual understanding became a divine revelation. And Jesus said, flesh and blood, this is not Andrew who told you this. What I'm hearing now is coming directly from my father. This is a revelation. So perhaps you come because you understand the word, that's fine. But at some point in your walk, that mental understanding must become divine revelation. The church is built on revelation. But you see, the whole secret is the revelation. That's where the trouble is. People don't understand that the whole church of the living God is built upon spiritual revelation. Yeah. Right. I'm just going to lay down a few quotes here on revelation. to says, The revelation of every word of God is true. Hang your soul on any phase of it. Revelation. What does our soul hang on? Revelation. That means if our soul was hanging and there was a gulf beneath us of hell and burning fire and the only thread by which our soul was hanging was Revelation, you're secure, you're safe. That is what you need to hang your soul on, Revelation. Perhaps one day you'll be challenged by somebody, show me in the Bible why you believe that and you can't do it. Maybe you go scripture after scripture and for every scripture they have another scripture. You ought to say, that is fine. It's revealed to me. That's good enough. And that's all that matters. Oh, I love this quote. God's provided a way of healing. Now we can preach the word and explain the word. But you have to receive the word. Oh, hallelujah, it says. That's what sets it on fire, brother. When you receive the revelation... Something slips out of the unseen world yonder, comes rolling down through a mystical channel somewhere into your soul. It says, "Now I see it." Your eyes brighten, your lips that hung down straighten up and smile. Every muscle in your body seems to rejoice because something is going to happen there. Oh, hallelujah! When something comes down, over brother, but says. Out of the eternity, out of the eternal realm, something began to happen and through a mystical channel, straight down into your soul, God drops a revelation and your eyes are enlightened, I can see it. Oh, Brother Tim, I think that's what Jonathan had last Wednesday. When he ate of that honey, his eyes were enlightened. What happened? In the eternal realm, something came down in his soul. And he began to smile and say, if the people ate of this honey, they would have possessed the land by now. If the people had this revelation. Oh, hallelujah. That is what is happening tonight. In this service, I pray that out of the eternity, God will begin to open a channel. And it's a mystical channel. When God reveals something to you, it's personal. As I'm preaching this word, God can be communicating with somebody one-on-one. And nobody else knows anything about it. Because divine revelation comes into a channel directly into your soul. And nobody else knows it's happening. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Right, on, says the kingdom of God is established in the heart and soul of a man by the revelation of Jesus Christ.
1: Amen.
3: You don't expect to know God by education or theology. You know God by being born again, new birth. It says the Holy Spirit wrote the Word of God. He so entangled it in there. Oh my! He so entangled the word and said, I have hid it from the eyes of the wise and prudent. Because it has to be revealed to babes, such as we'll learn. The word of God, God on purpose took the scriptures. He took the word, he took the message, and he entangled it in such a way that if you come by understanding, intellectually, you can see it. I'm sorry, you won't be able to see it. Don't be offended when the people that you once trusted have left what you believe. It's not their fault. They just couldn't see it. Because God entangled it in such a way on purpose. Fifty minutes. I'm going to drive this home now. We're going to close soon. You see the sun? See him in the way of the revelation that God has revealed him to you. The only way you will ever know the sun Is that God has revealed him to you. Do you not see the message after message there's an emphasis? You can only know God by revelation. Amen. Pray, but i said many times I misunderstood and I've tried my best to explain it to the people. See, the reason is that I can't do it. It has to be revelation. Do not take revelation out of the word. It is the most essential ingredient of the word. It's not about proving it with quotes and scriptures and scriptures and I believe we ought to know the scriptures. I'm not saying we don't have to. What I'm saying is that what matters the most is that God has deposited something in your soul that nobody can ever take away from you. That is why when we come to the service, we're preaching only what God has revealed to us. We are preaching what God makes real to us. But the same way we come prayerfully, you ought to come to church prayerfully and say, Lord, the word is going to be preached. Don't let it stop into my mind what is just intellectual understanding. But let the word of God come down in my soul and be transformed into a divine revelation. Because if you don't do that, you're in danger of staying in church for years with a mental understanding of the message. But the first thing is the seal of Christ. It has to be a spiritual revelation that God has given to the individual. That Jesus Christ is the son of God calling. That's right. Without that brother, you are only impersonating. You are only pretending. If the message and the word of the hour has not become a divine personal revelation, you are pretending. The reason why they leave is because they played church for years. They pretended to be believers, but in their soul, there was never a revelation. Oh my, I just want to drag that home tonight. Revelation alone. In conclusion. Who was back there to tell him a better way to make the world? Who would dare to tell him how to run his business? Every word of God itself is sovereign. Even the revelation is sovereign. And this is what I wanted to get to. He reveals to whom he will reveal it. The the very revelation itself is sovereign in God. Luke chapter 10. Verse twenty one and twenty two. In that hour, Jesus rejoiced in spirit, and said, "I thank thee, O Father, Lord of heaven and of earth, that thou hast hid these things from the wise and prudent, and hast revealed them." Now Jesus' Bible says he's rejoicing in spirit. It's not just a Oh, that's good. No, no, there, there's a groaning in the spirit realm. And I like to think, this is just me. I like to think that Jesus Christ was walking. And then something struck him. Like just God, the Father just dropped this revelation in his heart. Just dropped it right there. And in that hour, he rejoiced when he got it. And he said, oh, Father, I thank you. I just received a revelation that you are, you've hidden these things from the wise and the prudent. But you only reveal it to babes. Wow. Oh, my so revelation is sovereign. God chooses to whom he's going to make himself known to. For, for it seemed good in thy sight. All things are delivered to me of my father. And no man knoweth the son but the father. And who the father is but the son. And he to whom the son will reveal him. So now look this. Those to whom things are hidden. It's not because they did anything wrong. Those to whom things are revealed, it's not because they did anything right. It's God exercising His sovereignty.
1: That
3: God is free to choose who He wants to make Himself known to. Many of you are friends of mine that I love, but there are certain things that I will only open up to certain people. It is my choice nothing against you. It's not that I hate you. It's not that you did something wrong to me. He said, I'm a sovereign person. I can choose to whom I'm going to make myself known to. That is God's prerogative to choose to whom he's going to reveal himself. Amen. Amen. Luke 8, verse 9 and 10. Verse 10. And he said, Unto you it is given to do the mysteries of the kingdom of God. Unto you It is given, not to everyone, not to all the Jews, just to the disciples, not to all the churches, just to his bread. It is given to know the mysteries of God. Is it fair? Yes, it is fair. 1 Corinthians 2 verse 7 and 8. But we speak the wisdom of God in a mystery, even the hidden wisdom which God ordained before the foundation of the world for our glory, which none of the princes of this world knew, for had they known it, They would not have crucified the Lord God. Now my, my, this is a dangerous situation here. Because if God had revealed who Christ was to everyone, there would be no crucifixion. So if revelation was given to everyone, Christ would not be crucified. So it is then necessary that some people's eyes remain closed for the purpose of God to be fulfilled in us. Because if revelation was given to everyone, Cain would not have killed Abel. Seth would not be a type of the resurrection. Jesus would not have died. The blood would not have been shed. Humanity will be stuck in the limbo. The bridge between man and God will still remain closed. The book will forever remain in the hands of God. The Lamb will not be able to claim the book and lose the seals. The ramifications of giving up revelation to everybody is serious. That is why God chooses to whom He's going to make Himself known to. That is why you and I, we are to rejoice that we are that group of people that he selected to make himself known to.
1: <laughs>
3: then I mentioned that it takes the Holy Spirit to give us revelation and we fail to get it. Bringing these two thoughts together, you will see that it won't take just an ordinary study. it's not about thinking to make this book real it's going to take the operation of the holy ghost listen that means this book can't be revealed to anyone but a special class of people and it will take one with prophetic insight it will require one with the ability to hear from God. You have the ability to hear from God. My ship, not my verse, but what I'm saying is the revelation of the word. That is what you and I have the ability to hear. This revelation cannot be made known to everyone but a special class and I'm here to tell you you are a special class don't look at your failures don't look at your flesh if this message has been revealed to you count yourself privilege <laughs> if the light of God the Holy Spirit ever strikes a predestinated seed whose name was put on the Lamb's book of life before the foundation of the world The Bible says, that's right, the light will shine. Now listen, you can preach to some, and it seems like it's just water on a duck's back, falls off. But let it once strike that predestinated seed, and watch what happens. Something is in there right now. Why? It's a predestinated seed Coming forth It's got to come and when that light The gospel strikes it They get it Because there was a predestinated seed In you when somebody handed you A book of serpent seed That light struck and you got it Because there was a predestinated seed in you. When brother, while you were walking, you said, God, why didn't you sign a prophet? And when you heard about this prophet, that light struck that predestinated seed. And you said, I get it. When that light struck little Rebecca, she knew something within her. Oh, I had to bring her back to Isaac. The message of Eliezer struck Rebecca beyond the physical senses Beyond the senses in the spirit realm Something began to roll down from eternity into her soul And brought her to Isaac I was thinking this Brother Dan, we worked on the message app If you type a search term And if what you're searching is included in the database You get a result back, correct? If you put in a search term that is not in there, it says, no match found. So for a search to be successful, the search term that you're looking for must already be contained in that database. So when the word is being preached, it's a search going out. If in you, in your soul, there isn't already what I'm searching for, there's zero match. But if there is a match, it says one match found. When that word came to this day, God was searching. When it struck you, Brother George, it said, "What match found. What it struck you, EPA, there was a match of was found. For certain people, there is no match, because in them, there is nothing. Oh,
1: hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. I thank you, Father, that in me, there was something that the world of us can find. Hallelujah.
3: Not because you did it. Not because you are good, but because there's a seed of God in you. And God was sovereign enough to come to you and make himself known to you. You've got what it takes to go beyond the offense. You are built to look beyond the offense. Stumbling blocks are not for you. They are for the ones that are going to fall away. But for you, there's a seed inside of you that contains the germ of life. That can be quickened. Through the revelation of this hour. And that's a house built on the rock. You don't need intellect. You don't need signs and miracles and wonders. All those things are good. But to withstand the assault of the enemy against this truth. All you need is what you already got. Revelation. let stand We ought to pray for revelation Pray every day Lord, reveal yourself to me Amen. Reveal yourself to me And God wants to impart his life to you Oh man, there's a quote that was shared with me recently That just fried my mind He talks about the joy that God has In imparting his life to you Oh my he, he compares it to A man and a woman A man giving seed to a woman He said that is how God wants to impart his life to you more than anything, he wants to be worshipped. Absolutely. But what he desires the most is to make himself personal to you. He desired it. That's what brethren, says. said, why do you hunger? Why do you thirst? It's your father desiring to make himself known to you. To reveal himself to you. God wants to give you revelation. And if you don't have it, pray for it. Unless the message of the hour and the word of God has become a personal revelation to you. We have zero foundation. And I'm standing to say that you've been a message for five five years, 10, 15, 40 years. One day, after all the wins, and after all the falling away, and after all the events, and after all the offenses, you'll be tired, and you'll go back. But if it's been revealed to you, even if you try it, you won't be able to live it. Because you're hooked by it you are addicted to the life of god how can you live it when it's a part of god himself in you i'm going to take this opportunity to publicly declare i stand firm on this message being god's truth for this day quote me if i live it in 10 years play this service back because i'm not going to recant what i said tonight this has been personally revealed to me and think the truth of God for these days. That's my revelation. Get your own revelation. And I just want to thank you, Lord, for letting me hear your word. What have I done to deserve? Nothing. Such glory revealed in me. Thanks for that special night. When I saw this glorious light, I came face to face with eternal life. Lord, I thank you. You didn't have to open my eyes. You could have easily been passed me by. Oh my. Hallelujah. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for revelation, Lord. We thank you for it, Lord. Oh God, I pray that if there's somebody here who's still reliant on a mental conception of the word, who perhaps is still following after signs and wonders and after some form of simulation? I pray that tonight will be the night where something solid, something everlasting, something real will come down into their soul, oh God. And I pray if there's anybody among us who's at this revelation but who's been bombarded in their mind, let them know where to stand on. He said, What you've already given them is more than enough. And if you could give us anything more than revelation, you would. But you've given us revelation. Because the gates of hell can never prevail against revelation. I commit the people into your hands, Lord. Forgive me, Father, perhaps for not being as adequate as I wanted to be. But take your word, oh God. Make it real. Not a knowledge of revelation, as brother and says, But let it be a revelation itself. Granted, it, Lord, in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. For the same
5: Amen. Let's sing that together. I just wanna thank. After a service like that, yeah. did you enjoy that tonight? Yeah. Amen. We just so appreciate, as our brother has said, and I underlined it, revelation cannot be overemphasized. And Brother John covered it so well, but I'll say, he didn't cover half of it. That's how great revelation is, and even just the subject of revelation. It goes beyond what any preacher can preach but it was some pretty good preaching tonight on the subject of revelation I'll take you back and I'm not going to preach I wouldn't want to add anything you'll want to listen to that again except the second time you want to listen to it at half speed so that you catch everything but uh, I want to take you back to the pastor's own testimony. Sitting on a log with a prophet, talking about serpent seed, which he didn't see. And you know, you might have somebody that you know that doesn't see it yet. But a prophet of God was saying to our pastor, as Brother Bisco said, but Eve said. I've gotten a man from the Lord, and the prophet said. And then what did she say in the next verse, or what was the next verse? And and brother Biskel says, well, I, I couldn't even remember the next verse. And he says, Eve begot Abel, and uh, or begot Canaan, also begat Abel, and he said they were twins, and and explained him very briefly serpent seed. He didn't go in to make it easy for him, but he just laid it out for him. And then he said this. He says, you pray about it. And I'll pray for you and God will reveal it to you. First time I heard that, that smote my heart. He didn't, he wasn't trying to convince him. He wasn't trying to, to show him all the different scriptures as we might when we share serpent seed with somebody. He just shared one scripture. He says, now you pray, I'll pray for you and the Lord will reveal it to you. Hallelujah. Revelation is sovereign of God. You know somebody you want to have revelation? Pray for them. You share the word. You might say something to them. You might even be here tonight yourself. And say, "Well, I don't see it all, I, but I was rejoicing in the testimony of Sister Zoe." It's Sister Zoe, wasn't it on Sunday? She just sat there and she heard the word, and she just saw it. And 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 brother, it was uh, our brother back here, and and. Uh, He was just sharing with her, saying, just sharing some things. And she was just seeing it. And then Brother Murphy was talking to her. And she was just seeing it. And she was just seeing it. And then all she said was, what's next? What's next? Repent and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. That's revelation. That's sovereignly given of God. Blessed are your eyes for they see. I say it again. Blessed are your eyes for they see. Blessed are your ears for they hear. For these things are hidden from the wise and prudent. But God has opened them to you. Hallelujah. I just
1: want to thank you all for it.
5: God even made it real to computer programmers tonight. Brother Darren, why don't you come and close in prayer for us? That was brilliant. <laughs> that was inspiration. That wasn't intellect, that was inspiration. You know, it doesn't matter who, who you are, God will make it real to you in the way that you see it. Might be different from the way I see it they're different from, different from the way Brother Darren sees it. But God has a way to make it real to you. Brother Darren, why don't you come and dismiss us in a word of prayer.
4: Let's pray. Lord Jesus, truly tonight we are so blessed. Lord, even speaking with Brother John lord on monday night after prayer meeting lord how he was so nervous lord didn't want to preach but lord that's just the type of vessel you want that's the type of vessel that'll just surrender themselves and die to themselves lord because they have no ability of their own to preach this word and we heard about tonight father it's not intellect but it's a revelation that we have need of though we don't have to explain this message to anybody you didn't lord In fact, you offended many people, but you knew who you were, were your own Lord, and you knew your own would not be offended, Lord. And tonight we stand as believers, dear God, and I declare, Father, we're not offended. We don't understand everything, Father, but it doesn't matter, Lord. We're walking by the faith of Jesus Christ. It's been made real to us in this hour, Father. And we say, Father what's next we just want more lord jesus we know there's much more for us to receive lord there's much land dear god for us to possess our loved ones lord our children dear god lord the token that you've given to us father to apply to our prayers lord we're not leaving until they're all in father There's a great work to do, Lord Jesus. We see what you're doing in the lives of so many people. Father, just walking onto the property, wanting to come into the service and hear about God. Lord, it's supernaturally led by you, Lord. You you know who your own are. Lord, and you will guide each and every one of them, Lord Jesus, to this place of revelation, dear God, where you will reveal yourself personally to them. Lord, you'll dissolve, dear God, all the intellectuals, Lord, and all of the, the doubt dear god you're the dissolver of doubts lord you're the one that gives us faith lord jesus and we ask dear god we ask for more more upon more lord line upon line precept upon precept, lord father just give us more we ask daily lord just help us to do our part lord just to get ourselves out of the way we want to be yielded vessels lord jesus to make ourselves available lord that you could speak to our hearts Lord, we so thank you for your servant, Lord, our brother, John. Lord Jesus, just a, another mighty ministry, dear God, that you're raising up in a young man. And we say, Lord, we so appreciate it. And Lord, we just want more. We want more from this ministry, dear God. Lord, each one, Lord, do these love gifts that you've given to us, Lord. We don't want to take it for granted, but we want to say thank you, Lord. Even as we sang the song, Lord, you didn't have to open our eyes, Father, but you did. Lord God, we may have been stumbled, Lord, but we weren't because Lord, you chose us before the foundation of the world. And Lord God, we go tonight rejoicing and praising you, dear God, for your word and what you're doing in our midst. And Lord, also we just want to, we want to pray that you'll strengthen our brother John and refresh him, Lord. Pour back into him, Lord God, more than he poured out lord Jesus, also for our brother tim and brother michael lord god departing tomorrow for uganda Lord, we pray that the angels of god would be encamped about them lord keeping them in the way protecting them from the enemy lord keeping all sickness from them giving them strength dear god not letting anything deter the word of god from being ministered in power dear god to the people of uganda lord lord jesus we want to hear great things lord And we're going to hear great things, Lord Jesus, upon their return. Because we know they're not going, dear God, on their own accord. You're going before them, Father, and preparing the way. And you'll speak through them, Lord Jesus. And you'll do great things, dear God, for those, dear God, our precious brothers and sisters, Lord, in Uganda. Bring them back safely to us, Father. Watch over their families. And, Lord, we just commit our lives to you, Lord. Go with each one of us, we ask, for the glory of God in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Thank
5: you, Brother Darren.
4: Let's just sing before we go.
5: So glad I'm yours, Lord. So glad your mercies have followed me. So glad you found me. You didn't find God, He found you. So glad you found me and you set me free. Are you glad tonight? So glad I'm yours, Lord.